You're listening to the People Insights podcast from Cognisco with Owen Ashby. Right, so I'm here today with Amanda Green, and Amanda is the uh, Director of Expertise at uh, Cognisco, which is a really cool title, isn't it, Amanda? It is rather, isn't it? Excellent. So if you could start off, Amanda, by telling us a little bit about what you do for a living and why you are the Director of Expertise, that would be awesome. Okay. Uh, Well, I've worked with Cognisco now for over 10 years, started as a solutions consultant, assessment solutions, um, progressed into principal consultant, but now I work with clients and subject matter experts internally and externally, hence why I'm called a director of expertise. My background is occupational psychology. Um, I work with um, clients and partners um, to establish what is it they're trying to achieve organisationally at individual team and organisational levels, but then how can we help them to achieve that? Um, Obviously, the Mino platform provides uh, a basis for looking at those uh, elements, Um, but the SJT is one part of the Mino platform, and an SJT helps us to identify whether people are likely to make the right decision in a contextually relevant scenario. Okay, so hang on a minute. So what is the Mino platform? The Mino platform is what we call, um, we call it a platform. And what are, well, the way I use Mino is um, as a multi-measure approach to identifying confidence, competence, and capability, really, across the workforce. It uh, provides the people analytics um, in different ways. Okay, really. so it's really the, the Cognisco competence management, assessment management, people, data and insight platform that we use, we call Mino. And you also talked about SJT, Um, and SJT is is what? SJT is what we call a situational judgment test, Mm -hmm. Um, and typically we create scenarios with clients um, that are contextually relevant to assess decision making and judgment. so, So it's an assessment model. Yeah. That, that we use, which is based on scenarios mm-hmm. that assesses, sorry, what you say? Uh, assesses whether, whether individuals are likely to do the right thing in reality. Okay. So by asking them about what they will do um, in, a, in a given situation, mm. um, it identifies whether they're likely to do that or equally whether they're likely to do the wrong thing, hence right. causing the organisation or risk. So it's about judgment. Yep. It's about how people will apply knowledge mm-hmm. in any given scenario. And what's, yeah. So what's the relevance of having scenarios specifically? I think the, the relevance to generating scenarios, especially when they're customised and bespoke for organisations, because that, that is what differentiates us in a lot of ways, because mm. we design these from scratch with, with clients to make them contextually relevant, mm-hmm. so that when it's deployed people can make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so the scenario is based on, here's a situation, mm-hmm. um, think about that situation and tell us what you would do in that situation. Okay. Or tell us what's the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we have a, a multiple response approach mm-hmm. to that, um, it gives us a, a number of different ways of assessing somebody's knowledge and understanding of mm-hmm. that topic area. Okay, so we write a, a scenario or we present a scenario and then we ask people to evaluate a number of different responses. Yeah. 
Um, and can they just pick any one? Is there some right, some wrong, or is it a case of maybe going through them all? Or? Yeah, I guess that, that that's um, probably a good opportunity, really, for me to, to explain the difference, really, between a multiple-choice question and a multiple-response question. Mm -hmm. um, because we've all hold, heard of multiple-choice choice, questions. Yeah. We're all very used to multiple-choice. Yeah. And if you're anything like me, that's how you got any O-levels or A-levels at all, really. <laughs> Yeah, multiple choice is very much uh, very very well known out there. You typically see them at the end of um, an assessment program or a piece of learning. Um, you might get them at the end of a training session uh, just to check that learning. Um, it's it's similar structure to um, who wants to be a millionaire type question. So mm -hmm. you're given a stem of a question, you're given a number of responses, and you're asked to pick the one that you think is right. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me, that's very limiting in terms of it probably tests memory recall rather than anything else. It probably uh, just assesses um, memory uh, of what you've just learnt. And you could probably get the right answer by guessing mm -hmm. or eliminating the ones that you know are definitely wrong. So it's not really assessing any sort of actual behaviour or actual understanding in an, in an applied way. Mm. Um, whereas multiple response, um, however... Uh, the way that we write questions is that you have the scenario and then you're asked to respond to each and every response in its entirety. So you would then make a judgment as to whether you think that's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. We also give you the option to say, I don't know, mm -hmm. uh, which is quite useful mm -hmm. uh, methodology because in reality, if people are prepared to admit that they don't know, um, they're more likely to, or, you know, more likely to actually seek out help and ask ask for help rather than go gun ho, make a decision, mm. do the wrong thing uh, without checking it with anyone else. So that's so that's well, we often talk about the idea of the unconscious incompetent. So the people who think they know what they're doing and in fact they don't, and they're very confident about it. So somebody who says I don't know, clearly then is somebody who is consciously incompetent. Is that? Is that right? I think that 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 could work um, mm -hmm. against that. You know, it's somebody who who understands that they may not know the answer mm -hmm. or they're not sure about it, mm -hmm. um, and the fact that they're prepared to admit they don't know would 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 you know suggest that they might actually ask for help rather than just go ahead and do some do the wrong thing. Yeah, so that's really good from a learning perspective, I guess, in that they recognise that they need learning or training. So that's good. Mm -hmm. So they're more likely to buy into the training or the learning that's presented to them afterwards. So I, um, I always think about things as we do in Cognisco from the business perspective rather than simply the learning perspective. From, from an organisation's perspective, I guess if we've got people who are aware that they need learning, aware that they don't know the answer, that's probably great from a kind of risk perspective, would you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I think that... Um that's true to say. So the way our the way our questions work is that you have a scenario or a stem. Um, individuals are asked to respond to that, say what they what what they think is the right answer, what what they would do or would not do. But equally, we then have a confidence scale. We're then asking people how confident are you in your answer, right. which leads us on to quite nicely what you were saying there about the risk, because. The way our reporting works is that we categorise individuals based on how they've answered the question in terms of right or wrong, but also how confident they were in their answers. So, for example, somebody who's chosen to answer the questions and largely got them wrong, 
but with a high level of confidence that they were right at the time, they would come out in what we call our, our misunderstanding with high confidence category, or mm. also known as high risk. Mm. They're at high risk of misunderstanding, high risk of doing the wrong thing in reality. Mm. On the other end of the scale, you've got people who are consciously competent, mm -hmm. so they are understanding um, the, the subject matter expertise, and they're also highly confident in their answers. Brilliant. So we're correlating two things. We're correlating what people really know, and then we're asking them to apply that knowledge to a given scenario, um, which I imagine could be quite challenging. And then we're asking them how confident they are that they think that's the right thing to do. So we're correlating really confidence with competence, yeah. which, which I think is you know as unique as it gets really in the industry, isn't it? So un unlike just being able to test whether people can remember the facts, or remember what the rules are in the rule book, we really want to know how people are going to apply that knowledge in any given scenario. So, so I would imagine that's, that's quite useful, quite powerful in terms of where we point learning. Yeah. I think where we're quite different to a lot of other SJTs out there, SJTs have been around since the 1950s. They were originally developed for uh, recruiting armed forces mm -hmm. in the army. Um, and, and that's progressed, but they're still very much predominantly used for recruitment purposes. Mm. Um, where we're different is that we, we use them purposely for development purposes. Mm -hmm. We use them to identify those who are likely to do the right or wrong thing in reality, mm. identify the people risk uh, within an organisation. So uh, the heat map from the report provides what it says, really, hotspots as to who, who is likely to do the wrong thing, who misunderstands this topic area. Mm. Uh, and, so that, and that's where uh, I think the combination of that comp competence and confidence in our reporting really gives a, a people analytic that they wouldn't have had before. So that's a really interesting analytic and it probably surfaces some information that people didn't know about before. Mm. It's asking, as you've just explained, questions from a different perspective. So it's about to elicit different information um, and, and then what do people do next, though? Are we not just leaving people with a, a problem they didn't know they had? Quite often we can link into existing learning. Mm -hmm. So organisations typically will bring us in to assess what they're doing in terms of a development programme, a training programme. So it can be used as a training needs analysis at the, in the first instance mm -hmm. or as a baseline measure. Um, then obviously you can have uh, an intervention in between, and that could be a face-to-face -face intervention that's already been designed or mm -hmm. that we can inform. Mm -hmm. uh, it can also be linked to learning uh, with an LMS platform or PowerPoint presentations that link directly from individuals' reports in the system, takes them to wherever they need to be to do that developmental remedial work, and then we give them the opportunity to reassess and that serves its purpose in terms of evaluating that they've understood the training, that they've learnt something, that they've improved their knowledge and understanding. It also helps to provide an evaluation level of ROI mm -hmm. in terms of improving understanding, but also likely behaviour. Brilliant. 
So we're directing people to learning that is relevant to them based mm -hmm. on an assessment that evidence where they have a need, which means potentially all those good folks out there with lots of learning management systems and great in, um, uh, investments in those kinds of things can now start to sweat that asset somewhat. Mm -hmm. But also then once people have been through that learning, we can reassess them, is that what you're saying, to prove that we've closed that gap? Yes, I think that's that's definitely uh, it serves two purposes. One serves the purpose of for the for the trainer and the organisation to assess whether the learning has landed, mm -hmm. whether that's been effective, but also from the individual's perspective, as they, they've actually um, managed to improve their learning and and demonstrate that they understand this topic area. That's really brilliant. So situational judgment, multiple response analysis, where we are correlating both the knowledge, the competence, if you like, also with the confidence to apply that. So that's a really interesting analytic and something that's really special from, from um, Cognisco. It's, I think it's probably fair to say it's our predominant analysis. It's the thing that gets people really excited um, and really engaged. Have you got an example of a really good story where somebody's applied this and it's made a real difference? Um, only if you can mention company names, but if not, then just give us a high-level view <laughs> just, to, just to put it in context for people. Great. Okay. Well, one off the top of my head that I can mention is uh, with, in conjunction with a partner. The Chartered Management Institute worked with us to design management competency-based assessments for performance management and employee engagement. And, and this is uh, based on national occupational standards. And so, um, and, and, and it was what CMI deemed to be good practice. Mm -hmm. So this is this is helping to develop managers, typically at a level five, but it works for other levels as well. Um, and this is where we've created scenarios across different sectors in different spheres of life um, to assess whether they were likely to make the right decision to achieve the right outcome based on what good practice looks like in line with national occupational standards. So we're quite proud of that. We're working with CMI on that. It's been deployed to many different sectors, many different organisations. Um, and it's uh, top and tail some of the CMI learning programs as well for accreditation. Um, and, and it works very well. And we've now developed a 360 to complement it. But that's another, another session. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Thank you, Amanda. So we're going to have more conversations. We're going to be talking about different assessment models, different analytics, how you can apply them, how they work in the workplace. Um, I'm quite sure there'll be people here who want to learn more about your experience more broadly and the services that you offer in your capacity as Director of Expertise. Uh, what's the best way of people getting hold of you, Amanda? What's your email address? My email address is agreen at cognisco.com. Brilliant. That's agreen, G-R-E-E-N, there's no E on the end of that one, um, at cognisco.com. Amanda Green, the um, Director of Expertise. Thank you very much indeed. Amanda, look forward to speaking to you next time. Likewise, thank you very much. That's us done for this episode. Thanks for listening and don't forget to visit us at cognisco.com slash podcasts to get the show notes and for more information about this conversation or indeed any others in the series. If you have any questions or suggestions, if you want to make a guest appearance or if you just fancy a chat with Owen, you can get him at oashby at cognisco.com.
That's O-A-S-H-B-Y at Cognisco.com. And feel free to send him a LinkedIn request too. Until next time, thanks again for listening. You've been listening to the People Insights podcast from Cognisco. You can find us on iTunes or via our website, cognisco.com slash insight. Cognisco is a people business. Through assessment, data insight and evidence, we're changing the way organisations think about workforce transformation, learning and compliance.